Welcome to Dudes on Movies, a podcast where dudes talk about movies. I'm your dude, Scott. I'm your dude, Dave. And today we're discussing 2003's Shattered Glass, directed by Billy Ray and starring Hayden Christensen. But before we do that, let's talk about what we've been watching. Dave, what have you been watching? I watched another piece of journalism. Uh, this was a documentary called Capturing the Freedmen's. Um, I'd seen it about 20 years ago and I really loved it back then, but I hadn't seen it in a long time. And when you let that much time go by, it's almost like brand new for you. You know, even though yeah. you know how, what's coming, it's right. pretty much a new experience and it, it's still awesome. And you know, what a, what a ride. What is it? I, I, it sounds familiar. So uh, there was this, this filmmaker had, had, was going to, uh, make a documentary about this guy who was a successful clown in New York. Okay. And what came of it was that, like, j- just like what happened with, like, Errol Morris, like, it turned into something else. Like, uh, Mr. Death wasn't originally supposed to be about Fred right. Leuchter, yeah. but turns out there was a lot, there was something else going on. And this was, his family was embroiled in a pedophilia scandal. Oh, jeez. And so that's what the movie became about. And it's not just about, like, them facing charges for, for you know, like... Yeah. having child pornography and then molesting kids. It was also like just their family falling apart, you know, like years prior and now with this really getting bad. Man. And it's it's a harrowing documentary. I mean, like it, it just puts you through all kinds of emotions and everything and uh you have a lot of complex feelings for all the characters. Yeah. And yeah, it's it's really it's a really good movie. Is it an Errol Morris documentary? It's not. Okay. Um but it felt it, when when he said it feels that, that way when he said like David Friedman was, was originally his you know like su- yeah. subject and was going to be just about his clown thing it reminded me just exactly of Fred Leuchter with Mr. Death it was like yeah. oh they just were going to like talk to him about his his engineering oh no way he's an anti semite <laughs> you know awesome man yeah. I well I watched something a little more fun okay <laughs> it was uh, 1931's Tonight or Never it was that DVD you saw over there last week the uh-huh. one with Gloria Swanson and Melvin Douglas sweet it's a pre code. Uh, sexy talkie. <laughs> I mean, it's not like extreme, you know, it's no. not like there's graphic nudity and all this sex and stuff. But I mean, in 1931, it's taboo to kind of be talking about wanting to get it on. Oh, you know? of course. Yeah. Like carnally. Right. Even um, pre-code. Yeah. So like Gloria Swanson plays an opera diva and she kind of falls in love with this stranger who's walking around outside and keeps looking in her window. It's Melvin Douglas. And she... Tries to find him and get down with him, basically. Wow! Um, because she, she doesn't have this passion in her voice. She hasn't had. She hasn't loved. She hasn't got that spark to sing. Uh, so she's trying to ignite that. Hmm. Um, and there, there's. It's pretty. It's a good movie, man. Yeah. Um, there's some. There is one scene in it that would hold up today, uh, as far as like how sexy stuff is. Okay. Like it. It's fantastic. I would suggest everyone go watch it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so now let's talk about Shattered Glass, Dave. Why don't you give everyone a synopsis? Sure. Um, so this uh, yeah, this movie is based on the true story of Stephen Glass, um, who was a writer for several magazines, but mainly the New Republic. And he was embroiled in a scandal, which um, the movie documents and which we will analyze. Um, it was a, a, a scandal that uh, involved, you know, like... Well, we'll get into it. I mean, obviously, mm-hmm. I, I, it's weird that we, we always spoil movies, but it's like I didn't want to spoil it in the synopsis for some reason. But yeah, yeah th- th- this guy was uh, revealed to be trash, and we'll yeah. get into it. He He's a fraudster, basically. Yeah. Um, well, so he was writing these articles for the New Republic, and one of them, a, another publication, an online publication, 
didn't think it sounded right. Yes. And then they start looking into it and can't get any of the sources verified. They can't, nothing is good. Steve Zahn even says there's one thing that's correct in the article that Nevada is a state. Yes. It's a good line. <laughs> it's a great line. So this movie is about this guy's life and career crumbling apart and him trying to keep it held together. Yes. And the kind of extremes he's going to for this. And, you know, when, when you see it for the first time, um, like you're, you're wondering, you know, how, how it's going to end because you don't quite know, like, is this guy as bad as he, as it looks, yeah. you know, and you're yeah. wondering, okay, is he, is he just, is he ill? It, it, did he hallucinate things? What's happening? And then as you, and then of course you get to the end, yeah. but then when you see it for the second time and now for the 20th time or whatever, like you hate him so hard because <laughs> oh. <laughs> he never tells the truth. He can't. It's it's I just mean, beyond him. Even when he's defeated, he can't admit it. No. And it just makes you squirm. <laughs> like, you're like, come on, dude. Just say you're, you're fucking lying. Just say it. <laughs> like, Peter Sarsgaard in this movie. Like, that's how he his character feels that way. Right. For, like, half this movie. <laughs> Oh God! It's my, my. I think my. I had a lot of favorite Peter Sarsgaard moments. Yeah. But like my favorite is when he calmly says to Steve, in the car, "I just want you to tell me the truth, Steve." Yeah. Can you do that? Oh, I dude. mean, because it's like that's a great scene. Can, can you just, just, just tell me one true statement? Yep. And Hayden Christensen is great as Stephen Glass. He has like, I mean, this is his best role. Oh, there's no question far. about it. Yeah. He, he's <laughs> so, he's so good in this and, and he's playing a character that's so rich and it's like really something that an actor can delve it, can really, you know, dig into. And he like, he manages to be totally unsympathetic to the audience and completely sympathetic to his coworkers. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what hold Stephen Glass had over people, but like I would no. like to think I would have spotted him at a glance, you know. But I, I don't know. Right. Even even when it's all revealed and everyone knows like what's going on, they're they're still standing by him. Yeah. Until the very end, when I, they finally I, come to their senses, because yeah, at the very end, I know you don't think she is, but but she does. I mean, and when 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 Chloe Sevigny is like after Peter Sarsgaard and Hayden Christians, after Stephen Glass and Chuck Lane get back from like Chuck, like uh, really pressing him. Exactly. Yeah. And he, and Steve had taken him around and showed him like where the, where the convention was and everything. And then yeah. showed him where they, where they ate the restaurant and stuff. Like he, he's uh, Chuck is in his office talking to the other guy, to that guy, Lou, like the other senior editor. Yeah. And he's talking about how he's going to like, you know what, what he's going to do to Steve and how he's, how he, this, this is unacceptable yeah. and he can't be we have here to fire him. And like Chloe Sevigny, her character, Caitlin is like storming through the office and she it's, it's Chloe Sevigny is, is really good in this movie too. Yeah. And it's, it's her like walking toward the office. And I love when the intern says, um, uh, Caitlin, she goes, not now David. <laughs> and she just keeps going. <laughs> and like you said about her, like defending Steven to like, I mean, on a rational degree. To the end. I, I mean, he, she's so loyal to him. Everyone in the office is. And it's strange. It's her, Melanie Linsky's character, uh, Luke Kirby. They're, they're all like just every Steve is great. And and like, yeah, in front of all this. Ev I mean, like, I know that like Chuck hasn't told everybody like the extent to what he knows. Right. And and like Melanie, Melanie, Melanie Linsky says like, you know, uh, oh, well, we'll just print a retraction and that's that. So you got fooled by a source. 
of course, Steve hasn't told them right. exactly it's what all happened. fabricated. Uh, yeah, You're because like, he's because he never he can't admits tell the that. truth. He right. never admits it's all fabricated. Not to them. He not and even not, to not, Chuck. Not, and not, to nobody. And not even to himself. He, he just did <laughs> exactly you right. Know? He admits certain things, but he never goes all the way and says, "Yes, the whole thing right. was fake." Right. This guy's a psychopath, man. He is. Uh, like that, that you can lie this much and not feel the slightest bit of guilt. Um, and oh my god! And it's not in the movie, but like years later, it he still has not truly. I mean, he he came clean in a sixty minutes interview, like maybe five years later. Yeah. Um, but he didn't actually come clean, and he does. He doesn't like. He doesn't apologize to his his coworkers. He doesn't apologize to his readers. He, no, he plays the victim completely the whole time. Yes. It's not his fault, right? Why are you uh, mad at me? He even asked it to everyone all the time. Are you mad at are me? Are you mad at me? Yeah. It's oh, a, it's such a childish thing to say. He's manipulating everyone. I know. And trying to just make them feel bad for him. And and there's even levels, too, of his manipulation. I mean, like early in the film when he's talking about... The, he, he wrote that piece about the young Republicans at the CPAC conference yeah. and, you know, like the hookers and coke and everything. Yeah. And, um. And Michael Kelly, Hank Azaria's character, comes in and just asks him, "Hey, uh, you know, the, the the some people read the read the piece and they they read this thing about the the mini bar and like little bottles of alcohol. Yeah, uh, do you have your notes on that?" And Steve goes home and gets his notes, and then he comes in hat in hand and mm-hmm. like like walks in, does the Charlie Brown walk to uh, the office, says, "Um, Michael." Do you need my resignation? I'm going to resign right now. Um, he knows what like a small infraction this was, that, that it yeah. was just the mini bottles and no big deal, or the mini bar, no big deal. Yeah. But he's like actually willing to put himself out there to to then build on lies he's later on. He's faking this integrity. Yes. Yes, there it's, you go. It's, it, Perfect. it's so ugly, per- man. I know. You're right. Faking his integrity is the best way to say it. Yeah, because like... I guess when you know you have none, maybe you're good at faking it. I don't know. <laughs> well, that's that's the whole guy. I mean, right. everything he does is fabricated. Yeah. Like, he's telling all these stories to people, and he he gets them all riled up. And, like, I was wondering, why does he do this, man? And they mentioned briefly, like, his parents are very... Yes. They, they're controlling of him. Right. And they want him to be a lawyer, because he's also going to law school throughout the movie it's not really a big plot point but that's what he's doing right and his parents just being you know a great writer and editor at this new republic magazine that's the air force one magazine it's yes. a highly regarded magazine a very prestigious yes. magazine yes and his parents aren't happy with that so he has to please them and i mean this has got to be where it all stems from trying to get this uh approval right like from hank azaria yeah his character he goes and fakes it says his like fakes his integrity like we just talked about like he needs him to approve him yeah he even goes out through the whole movie saying like you know mike michael would have never done this you need to back me up Mm -hmm. like he needs this approval right Right. Mm -mm. um and he and he needs uh you know uh chloe Sevigny's character uh caitlin is based on um uh, a character named Hannah Rosen, who who works the yes. New Republic, and apparently, like Stephen needed her approval in a in a you know like ma- majorly too. I mean, like like I think yeah. that that that's one of the reasons that like her and Jonathan Chait, um, like at the New Republic, that that's probably why they that maybe one of the reasons why they defended him so hard is because like he was constantly like, uh, 
he wanted because this good writer wanted their approval that would probably have some kind of effect on you too you know yeah um i don't know yeah he he just loves does he love the attention i mean i have no idea yeah it's hard to say yeah right i mean the job has tons of pressure with it too yeah i mean you're writing for this prestigious magazine and you need to have good stuff i mean does that is that forcing him to just create these things well i mean i guess in, in that in one of those first pitch meetings like you know when they after he said what he said uh he, he did he gave his pitch and i can't remember i think it was the stuff about like being going on talk radio yeah saying he was a bite expert or whatever um He's, he even tells the people in the room that he lied i know i know and they like, think it's great they think it's great that he's lying and they published that piece yeah you know and and after he tells this 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 oh, big man. story that that's full of color and everything is so you know like just so perfect yeah like uh okay and uh you know Amy what about you and they go to Melanie Linsky oh I just finished my piece on ethanol subsidies yeah and it's like think about trying to read her piece on ethanol subsidies and like you know like what that would do like to the I mean like is any reader going to actually sit through that you know right no one will and they try to figure out at the end they're like how did he get how did we let him do this yeah how did this even get by us and they say like it was probably because we liked it yeah he entertained us we found him entertaining yeah so that that's why and and when you if if you sit down to read a magazine of course you're going to read something that's entertaining it's got something about like hack heaven you yeah. know is going to be a lot more it's going to pull you in much more so than something about yeah, you know you ethanol want, subsidies you want to read about some hacker like negotiating with a giant software yes. company to get a lifetime supply of playboys yes, or something yes exactly like, yes. that's much more interesting than <laughs> ethanol subsidies <laughs> right right <laughs> and and when when you have that if like like think about like if it was thoroughly researched, her piece about yeah. ethanol subsidies. Mm-hmm. And it was, everything was, all the figures were in, but no, it, it's, it's not colorful. It's not entertaining. No. And that happens multiple times. There's another time when he's telling another story and the, the guy who follows him up is just like, I can't. Was it's, that Chuck? It's Peter Sarsgaard. That's yeah. Chuck before and he becomes the yes. editor. That's and right. he's, and he's so awkward in that scene. Yeah. Um, like he goes, yeah, it's really hard actually. And then he, and then he starts <laughs> like this really uncomfortable laughter and to the point where everybody else in the room, they kind of scan the room. Everybody's kind of looking at him like, Chuck, are you going to start talking? Yeah. And he finally does. But like, even he says something about like, I'm going down to Port-au-Prince for a few days. Uh, and he's probably going to write a real blistering piece about what's going on in Haiti. And it's probably going to be like, you know, uh, hard journalism, but it's not what Steve did, you know? So like, he's not going to win the room. Yeah. Um, and make people laugh. I, I don't know. Yeah. Because it's not made up. No. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. Dude. I know. We've been talking about Peter Sarsgaard in this. And <laughs> this this is Hayden's movie, right? Hayden yeah. Christensen's movie. And he's great in it. But Peter Sarsgaard steals the show. Completely. I know. He's phenomenal in this film. He was even nominated for a Golden Globe. Yeah. I think he I mean he, he could have been nominated for an Oscar too. I mean, yeah, he, he I was, was kind of surprised. Excellent. Yeah. Um but I mean the character starts out kind of as an equal um, writer, their peers, their peers. And then he, Hank Azaria's character gets fired because he's backing up the, 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 the workers there. Right. Because the big boss wants them to work on their commas and bullshit. He's button heads with them. He's right. protecting his writers. <laughs> like what they say, like, that's what a good editor does. They back him up. Yeah. Um, so he gets let go because of stupid political reasons. And then they move Chuck in 
uh, Peter Sarsgaard's character. And because everybody knows that, uh, like the whole staff knows that, that that Chuck was moved in after Michael, and everybody loved Michael, they think that he's Marty's boy. Um, yeah, he's Marty a kiss is the, ass exactly. Um, Hayden even says that um, he's always laughing at Marty's jokes. Marty, by the way, played by Ted Kotcheff, a uh, famous director. Wow, I couldn't believe it. <laughs> Ted Kotcheff, man. It's it's. I mean, yeah, and he's he's such a huge dude. Yeah. Um, and he and he looks mean as hell, and and when he slams that door, and it, oh, uh-huh. that's great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but like, so now there's this tension in the office because you know they moved uh, Chuck into Michael's old position. And, yeah. And they they all think it's political, and it is. And the good great thing about Peter Sarsgaard's performance is he knows what kind of impact this is going to have. Yeah. And he carries this throughout the whole movie. You can see physically how it's kind of. He's torn on it. Like, right. he wants his career to advance. He would love to be editor, you know? And, yeah. Um, but he knows how much everyone loved Michael and how it's going to look and how everyone's going to treat him now and now how he's got to treat everyone else. And it's not the morale and the way the office functions is going to be totally different now. Do you want to get into the plot a little bit? Let's, yeah, let's do let's it. Let's get into the plot. So the movie's kind of structured around this... Hayden Christensen's at his old high school and he's given a speech to these young writers and it's framing like what the story that he's telling. So um, that's kind of where the movie starts. And he's talking about like how, how hard it is to be a journalist and what you got to do and the whole process and things like this. Um, And then it gets into the story, you know? Yep. Um, And the big, the big thing is this article about the hackers convention that we briefly touched on. Uh, he wrote this, and throughout the movie, it kind of falls apart. Where another, um, another online publication, I guess, yeah, Forbes Digital Tool, Forbes Digital Tool, which is that a real? Yeah, is that actually mm-hmm. the? Yeah, okay, yep. Are the names all in this? This the, the, yeah, the Adam Penenberg, yeah, yeah, uh-huh. okay, yeah, he was the real guy. Okay, so they they start looking into this, and that's where things fall apart. Yeah, and like, but and before the like. Leading up to when Forbes, you know, does the uh, looks into the the, the hacker piece, um, you're wondering where the movie's going. Like you can tell that 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 something is amiss somewhere because, like, what? Why are they just focusing on this guy on on, on this one guy who who like everybody seems to love? You know what what is what is it? Uh, yeah. What is the conflict? You know. The yeah. His con- behavior seems a little weird. Right. That's that's where the movie's taking you. You're like, there's something off about this guy. Yes. Like. He's alphabetized the beer at his party. Yes. Like, that's just strange. Yes. I mean, yeah, I know. He, he, he kind of, uh, like flirts with the, with the receptionist at the office, but not in a, not in a, a real way, in, in a way that you, like, a, a manipulator would with a, uh, you know, an older lady. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's really, it's really gross, to be honest with you. Um, like, I, I feel, I feel gross when he, and, and maybe it's because I've seen the movie too many times, but whenever he's like, hello, darling, I'm just like, fuck you, Steve. Yeah. You know, cause oh I, uh, I, I, I can't stand him. He's so terrible. Yeah. Um, he's a, uh, it's kind of a wall street. Like, you know? Yeah, of course. Exactly. <laughs> yes. He's presenting this image of himself that is totally inaccurate. Like, yeah, yeah. There, there's there's nothing about him that is truthful. Nothing he says, nothing he wears. I mean, like, he... Um, I don't even know if I believe him when he talks about, like, his the, the pressure his parents are putting him under about the law school stuff. Yeah. How I mean, can you believe it? 
How can you believe anything this guy says? Right. Once you find out what's going on, like, I mean, his, his the, the the whole having to go to Georgetown to become a lawyer because his parents are from Highland Park and they demanded of you. And I, I mean, I'm sure I know that people put pressure on their kids, but when it's Stephen Glass and he's and he's just like, uh, yeah, like a habitual liar. I mean, I I don't know. You know, I don't know if it's true or not. Yeah. I mean, I said let's talk about the plot. Yeah, but there's not a ton of plot, really. It's, it's, it's just it's just I know it's it's a it's an examination of a person. Yeah, it's kind of just this event happens and you see all these different uh, like meetings about it yes. and discussions. Yes, and they're so intriguing too because oh, yeah. you you know he's lying. You can tell. <laughs> right. You can tell when a liar's lying. Right. But the the tension between Chuck and Stephen Glass that's the real meat of the movie. Yes. Um, because Chuck doesn't really believe him, but wants to believe him. He wants to give him the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. And like you said earlier, he just wants him to tell him the truth because he's (laughs) so fed up with this crap. Right. Uh, but he can't get him to. And what Steve said about being editor, like, you know, there's good editors and there's bad editors. And he talks about how like Michael Kelly was, was the best kind of editor because he defended his writers and everything. Um, yeah, because he believed your bullshit all exactly. the time. Exactly, he swallowed the whole That's thing. That's why he was right. the best editor. Um, Mother. I know. <laughs> the guy. Yeah, exactly. Fuck this guy. <laughs> um, but, like, Chuck is trying to be what Steve said, even even in the meeting with Forbes. Because, like, after... When when uh, Forbes first reads the, the... The piece is called Hack Heaven in the New Republic, and it's about a hacker's convention. And then, also, there was this, there was this kid young boy hacker 15 year old who had gone onto a to a software company called juked micronics yeah and published a bunch of uh, like the salaries of all the employees and a bunch of naked pictures and he hacked them essentially yeah um and this that's what the story was about and forbes the the editor at forbes looked at adam went to steve zahn's character adam penenberg this mm-hmm. guy uh combis was the combis farwar was the uh, the editor there he went to Adam Penenberg and said, well, how come you didn't get this? You know, this, yeah. this hacker convention, you you cover, you know, computer, you cover online activities. What? How yeah. come you weren't at this hacker convention? Right. He's like, oh, okay. So he goes to research it yeah. and he can't find anything. Like nothing can be verified. Not one detail in the story is like yeah. checking out. <laughs> um, and he tells, he tells uh, the editor that and um, him and... Uh, another writer at Forbes, uh, Andy, played by Rosario Dawson, they start, you know, like uh, also pulling it apart and they schedule this meeting with the New Republic. It's going to be Chuck and Steve yeah. and the three of them uh, on a conference call where they're going to try and verify information. Right. And the whole time they're on the call, uh, Hayden Christensen's in the office there and he's he's like kind of squirming yes. and rambling about all these things that they're bringing up, all these points like, hey, we can't get a phone number for this company that's supposed to be this big company, you right. know, that a there's big time software company can't find anything on it. Can't find a website, no phone number, nothing. And Hayden is just trying to figure out what to say. And he's just good enough to get by, like to squeeze through it. Yeah. They still have like rampant suspicions <laughs> on this and they know there there's shit going on. Right. But he never admits that it's, he made it up. And he kind of plays it as, you know, these hackers fooled me. I, I was taken for a ride. I shouldn't have trusted these hackers. Now that I see that, and hindsight is twenty twenty, right? Yeah. At the end of the meeting, he says, yeah. "I'm I'm increasingly believe, starting to believe that I've been duped." Yes. <laughs> Fuck. I mean, he 
he now he's gonna play that angle. And like, the whole time this is happening, yeah, right. And the whole time this is happening, Chuck's sitting at his desk just like sweating. Just yeah, like God, yeah. what the? He's sweating because he knows one of his writers is in trouble. Yep. And he's sweating because I think he has suspicions that it's all made up. He's also pissed off because like when when they at, like you asked him you, you said how um the force people like know that Steven is lying but they can't actually prove it because yeah. they just, you know, and what's what what Steve says to a lot of their stuff, uh, I remember um Adam Pennenberg says, you know, well, what about this uh but you said that Juke was a big time software company and Steven goes, "Oh, that was added by the copy desk." Uh, you know, that and he can't even like, you know, yeah. uh take the blame for for a descriptive sentence i mean like even that it was not his fault oh my god dude um <laughs> and like as, as steve is going through uh i think at one point he gets in some in some soup because like steve's on asks him you know like oh uh can you have the can we get the phone number for for joe hire and he gives him the phone number and he says oh uh 605 that's not nevada Yep. And uh, everything kind of goes, oh, like the the, yeah. the air gets sucked out of the room. Yeah. Um, and they have the camera on Peter Sarsgaard, who is just Ugh. like, like got this expression like, oh, we're all fucked. He looks like he's going to throw up. Yes. Yeah. And finally, he breaks the tension. He goes, Steve, give him the number. And that's the first thing he's said at this meeting. Yeah. <laughs> you know, which is just like, yep. oh, you know, and, and it's one of those <sighs> oh shit moments. I mean, like I kind of like, even after seeing it so many times, I, that moment, like it brings me to the times I've gotten in trouble at work. Yeah. Where I'm I'm like I should yep. just say I'm screwed. And instead yeah. I try to ramble my way out of it. <laughs> Even on this podcast I do that, you know. So <laughs> Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> Everyone's done that, right? Uh, Everyone's right. been in that situation right. where they they're cornered yes. and they want to try to get out. <laughs> Instead of just saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, that, it reminds me of the time my son stole $20 from his sister. Uh-oh. And wouldn't admit it. <laughs> okay. And he was trying to help her find it and all this stuff. And it was such so out of character. Yeah. That I knew he had taken money. <laughs> like, that's what Stephen Glass is doing in this whole movie. It's like, right. Everything he's doing and saying is, it doesn't seem right. Like a, a person who is in this situation probably wouldn't respond the way he is mm -hmm. so defensively. Um, and just the, he's the way he squirms out of these things. It's, it makes you uncomfortable. Oh right? yeah. I mean, I know. Yeah. You don't want to watch this. Yeah. It, yeah. Like, like, cause it's, it's really hard <laughs> it's, to look at. Yeah. Yeah. You don't, you don't want to watch someone like this just get burned down. Right. Because I mean, I mean, you want to see him go down, yeah. but you don't want to see this process happen. Yeah, exactly. Like oh. just watching it unfold is really uncomfortable. Because I mean, even someone who's a total son of a bitch like Stephen Glass, like I hate looking at people with flop sweat on their face. <laughs> yeah, dude. I, it, it's just too much for me. I mean, yeah. and like, and then to watch him, he knows he's lying, but instead of admitting admitting that he lied, he's going to now like. I guess side with Forbes and like make it look like oh well they fooled me again and, you he's know, playing the victim yeah of course because now Forbes might 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 publish their story in which oh a reporter was fooled you know and that's a that's a lot less damaging to a journalist's career than uh, I made everything up yeah you know yep. <laughs> oh man so like he has to get a phone number to him right yeah get someone and uh, Steve Zahn and Rosario Dawson are calling the number and no one's answering. There's like just a, a voicemail set up. Yep. 
Um, You've reached the offices hey, of Juke Mike Chronics. This is George Sims. It seems so weird I know. that this giant software corporation, <laughs> the owner has, has, is in charge of the voicemail, <laughs> which I get. Like He plays it off saying, yeah, he's very hands-on with oh, the company. Yeah, you yeah. Know? He's a great owner. So, <laughs> what, yeah, bullshit, man. So they call at the same time and they get a busy signal. And he's like... What company of this size would have one phone line for the whole company? And, and you like, know, God, and, and it's because because yeah, like 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 Steve Zahn has has already unfolded. He's already like you know told the editor and Rosario Dawson everything he knows, and like this this is this and this doesn't check out. Yeah. And this is no good. And then like out of nowhere, Chuck Lane calls him and says, "I got a phone number for George Sims yep. or for Juke Micronics," and he goes. Uh, I got this phone number for Juke Micronics. So it's like, okay, yeah, what is this? And then they. Like a good journalist, Dude. they they immediately like to so okay, well let's let's try it. Let's call the number. Yep. And they figure out, yeah, like there's no way a Silicon Valley tech company only has one phone line. God. And and the way he gets the number is he gets the phone call from George Sims, who we find out later is Stephen Glass's brother <sighs> on the other end of the line. And Stephen, like fi- like after George Sims uh calls <laughs> Chuck, um, he calls him at home. Yeah. And like he, he tells him, you know, pretty much that like, oh, yeah, you, the, the, that reporter of yours, he did a hatchet job on this and we don't want to talk to you. Blah, blah, yeah, blah. Because they look like they're in, they're in bad light. Yes. Right. So he's yes. upset. Right. <laughs> We're trying to have an office party, he says, which is a great line. <laughs> and um, then and the, the, what really gets me is then Stephen Glass calls Chuck I, I at home say, yep, also yep. later while he's sleeping. Right. Really. So it's probably like one thirty in the morning. Yeah. And he's like, hey, George Sims said he's going to call you. And like, he's going just a step too far here. Because like, it's so suspicious. I know. And it's like, because he realized in that moment, I think, like, he, he had set it up with his brother to call Chuck. And then he remembered, oh, God, I gave him Chuck's home phone number. I better do some damage control here. Oh but God. it's already happened. And now you're calling him <laughs> in the middle of the night. Now it looks doubly bad, you idiot. God. And it's so, it makes you so uncomfortable. I know. And then, like, the next <laughs> the next day... Um, like before the meeting happened, um, Chuck came into work and he sees Steve like looking like he's closed down the bars. I mean, he's got like chocolate yeah, donuts under his he's eyes. He's been up like for yes. 48 hours. Jesus. I mean, like the guy looks pretty freaking haggard and he's got this. He says, hey, look, I found the juked website. I've got it up on my computer and they put the camera on this website mm-hmm. that is like the fakest website you've ever seen. Even for like even for like late. Yes, mid, late 1990s, like, yes. it's a it's a bad website. It looks outdated for 1998. Like for, it, it's for it's, a big giant software corporation. Yes. They would have a nice website. This right? is sub geo cities. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's the worst. I mean, and and like Chuck looks at it and, and he kind of like his it's all over his face. This isn't a real website. And you they know? show it to us and we see it. And even like you said, in today's terms, if we're like, that's horrible. <laughs> right. <laughs> and even back then, it's horrible. You can tell. Like, I mean, this movie came out in 2003. Right. So you you knew what websites looked like. Yeah. Back, I mean, it was only five years from the events of the, f- the film taking place. Yes. I mean, oh, that website looks like a 1990 website. I know. Exactly. It, it's yeah. like a single page and there's just yeah. this this like teal background with, <laughs> with black font and and it looks like shit. It's playing peanut butter jelly time. Yeah, I mean. exactly, dude. I mean, it is like the birth. Of, this is the birth of the Internet. Yeah, right. And and like. And it's only accessible through uh, America Online. He gives, like, like because 
they, they couldn't find Forbes couldn't find this website obviously because uh-huh. Steve didn't make it up till like two minutes ago right and he created it on AOL members <laughs> and he gives them the the URL at the meeting and like Combi's Farwar asks a very reasonable question uh, Steve why would a you know a big time software company have oh their God. website on AOL members where only they could get to it and Steve goes well I don't know I don't know how I don't really have a website I don't know much about them oh my God dude and I got Chuck's face in this meeting yeah. is just so great he is just eyeballing Steven this whole time <laughs> yes. it's like oh my God dude just <laughs> cut it out I know stop talking God. And, you know, because if he would just admit what he did, he'd be in a lot less trouble and the magazine would be in a lot less trouble. Yeah. I mean, I know that he's already done this 40 other times, and but we don't know that at the time. For him to try to lie, lie his way out of it, even mm-hmm. even when, like, all the evidence is against him like yeah. this, to just keep, like you said, being cornered. I know that when you're cornered, you, you tend to start swinging your hands. Mm-hmm. But, like, um, man, you, you, you also have to admit defeat sometimes and just know when when to stop you know right and he doesn't he doesn't have that he doesn't have that instinct he, he does not and they and, they end up going to the to chuck asks yeah. him you know like okay take me to where the convention happened he's still giving him a benefit of a doubt here. yeah yeah even though he knows it's bullshit he's like all right we're gonna go here right i'm going with you physically right now we're not going in an hour yeah we're not going tomorrow we're going right the fuck now yeah that's right and so you can't prep anything, yes, right? Because he knows, man. And so they go to look for where the convention was, so Stephen can actually show him where exactly every instance happened. Yeah, and it just falls apart because Stephen just takes him to some office building in Bethesda, Maryland, where, that he he's never been to before, and he says that here's where the convention took place mm-hmm. they go up an escalator and it's just a regular like office area i mean it's oh yeah a, you can't you know, fit 200 people in there nope yeah. and he says well you know most of them were kids like that means anything oh god these lines uh, oh. I, yeah they're the worst lies you've ever been told and the security guard at the front desk guys asked him like hey do you guys need help with anything right and chuck's like yeah ex- actually we do and he walks <laughs> up to him <laughs> It's like, did you guys have a convention here uh, a couple Sundays ago or whatever? <laughs> and he's like, uh, no, we're closed on Sundays. And isn't that the nail in the coffin? No, it's not. Hayden Christian has a crowbar and he's pulling the <laughs> lid back off this coffin. Oh, my God. <sighs> oh, well said, dude. Dude. Yeah. He, um, <laughs> I, I know he cannot he cannot bury this corpse dude you know it, it's just he's gonna he's gonna just keep going and like after and he says all i know is i was here oh, which is come i mean on. jesus christ oh my god <laughs> and so they he says they went to dinner with with the hackers and some people and or some ian's family yeah and so they, they he's like tell me where let's go where you yeah, said it was across the street well, show me where it is right and and Peter Sarsgaard is getting more and more agitated and more and more vocal <laughs> uh-huh. about this shit as they go. And Hayden knows he's got. Yeah. He knows he's got him. But he won't say it. And he just keeps getting sweatier and squirmier. <laughs> and oh my God. I know. And Dude. then and then it comes to the like he sees the, you know, he looks across the street, he sees that little eatery that mm-hmm. says, you know, open Monday through Sunday, seven to three. Yeah. And uh you know, he's like, so here, this is where you went to dinner on Sunday. They yeah. close at three. He goes, well, yeah, um, it was 2.58. And, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, 
<laughs> and it looked like Ian was about to cry. So this 15-year-old really was about yeah. to cry because he's not getting dinner in Washington, D.C. because he couldn't go anywhere else, Steve. Oh, my God. And, and he's like, "You well, go in. We can ask, tell them, and they'll tell you we were here. Yep. Would you would you kick out a customer at 258? No. Like, oh, my God, this guy's digging out of the earth these excuses and and the idea of like yeah let's go in the From restaurant the bowels of hell i know pulling these out. I, I, it, it's, it's just it, it's so fucking maddening and and then he starts to really throw a fit about like you know i didn't do anything wrong chuck you know and and peter you're Sark, supposed to support me you're supposed to support me he's turning it on him yeah again oh my god yeah what an asshole yeah what an asshole. Yeah, and and then on the ride back, then they they you know that's when Chuck that's when Peter Starr's got had that line about I wish you could tell me that I, I yeah and they parked the car exactly yeah. yeah I just want you to tell me the truth Steve, um and finally when when they do pull over you know Steve tries to then say you know uh, look there's been so much pressure and you know uh, I have classes at night and um he Chuck asks him you know like look okay so you weren't at the conference he goes. No, I wasn't. Okay, that's the first truth thing. Yeah. Truth thing you yeah. said. Um, amazing. I mean, Stephen Glass told the truth just just for the moment. Um, but then he says he lies about the truth he just told. Mm-hmm. He says, "No, I wasn't at the conference, but I had it from so many sources. I thought I had it solid." Yeah, you think he's gonna come clean here, and he keeps going. As an audience, you get so angry. At I him. know. Cause, cause just stop. And, and, but then there's always, the, there, there's this piece of doubt, at least the first time you've seen it, even with Chuck Lane, he got a call from George Sims. Yeah. He legitimately, the, 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 the CEO of juked my chronics called him at his house. Mm-hmm. So like maybe Steve, maybe Steve's crazy. M- maybe he's like, just maybe he hallucinated all this. Yeah. Maybe he's sick. Could be. I mean, that that's 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 Chloe Sevigny's theory. Yeah. Maybe he needs some help. Yeah. You know. Um. And we're all he's got, Chuck. Oh man. Oh, dude. <laughs> oh, he's he's got everyone wrapped around his finger. Yeah. Man, this guy is a sociopath. Yeah. Oh, it's re- it's really scary. A master manipulator. I I master manipulators like. There's a lot of things in the world that scare me, um, but yeah. master manipulators are right up there because, like, of how easily you can be taken in by them, dude. Um, and how many you already know in your current life, and maybe you just haven't—they haven't been revealed yet. Yeah, he, he's the, he's the Phantom Menace, dude. Completely, <laughs> completely. I'm surprised we haven't talked about Star Wars once yet with this. This well, is insane. I know. Yeah. Well, we just did. So there we go. There it's it out is. of the way. Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> So he's gonna suspend him now. Like he just—he's done. Yeah. Uh, they won't let him fire him because it'll destroy his career. Blah 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 blah. And it'll st- it, yeah. like all the whole staff will will leave. Yeah. Everyone um, they'll have a mutiny on your hands. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I've 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 run into that same thing in in a, a job I had previously where yeah. like uh, I, I was told that that if they if they did the remediation that I was suggesting that we wouldn't have a company the next day. You know. <laughs> And I, I, I was so angry. I was so pissed oh off because I was like, okay, so these people are just going to get away with what they've done. Yeah. Um, and they tried to tell me, well, no, it's not like that. Actually, yeah, that's exactly what it is. Oh, my God. You're not holding somebody a accountable. slap on the wrist. Right. Yeah. Don't do it again. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Oh, my God. And, um, and then, you know, Stephen goes to find Michael Kelly. And this is another one of, like, Stephen's worst moments for me. Yeah. Um, is when he tells Michael that, you know what, Michael, um, 
Chuck has a list in his head of all the people who were loyal to you. And he's trying to pick us off one by one. Yeah. Um, and Michael Kelly is having none of it. You know, like, yeah. that's the good thing. He yeah. tells him, look, look, I know this isn't personal. And what you did were fireable offenses, he tells him. I was like, yes, yeah. good. Oh, man. My favorite line is when he asks if the the young conservatives piece was cooked. Yep. Because that was under under his umbrella. Exactly. He's like, fuck. Right. How many did I let slide through? He knows right right away. Like, and he's like, man, yeah, this goes deeper than we think. And I was going to say this for the end, but like uh, Michael Kelly, the real Michael Kelly, he, he didn't want to be used as a character in the movie. Yeah. Um, and most of it was like he had to be convinced by Billy Ray for like a good two years. They were they were going back and forth because he yeah. was he was not only like um, he was mad that, that a lot of this happened on his watch. You know? Yeah. Because I mean, yeah, ha- half the, the stuff that Stephen did happened when Michael Kelly was there. Yeah. And also part of it too was that like all the all the richness and all the texture that was in Stephen's uh, writing, a lot of that came from Michael himself too. Because that's another thing an editor does. does. They don't just fact check you. They also rewrite some of the stuff you do. Yeah. And so some of it had Michael Kelly in it, you know. And yeah, uh, yeah. he goes through the process of how an article gets yeah edited, oh, yeah. reviewed, approved, and it's strenuous. Right. It get looked at about two dozen times by different people. Yep. And which is what makes it even more amazing that all this stuff got through. He says there's one thing that they can't verify. I mean, they have to look at your notes to verify certain things. Right. If there's no source. Right. And all he's got is notes. And if it's that's a, how he's doing it. And it's a bunch of fake people. So they're not going to sue for libel. Yeah. You know, which is like, uh, that's a massive hole in the fact checking process, obviously. Mm-hmm. And, a great thing is, like, at the beginning, there's an argument about they need to add photos to the, the newspaper because yes. it's an all-text paper. And at the end, <laughs> the secretary chimes in and says, we could have prevented all of this if we just put pictures in. Yeah. Yeah. You can't lie about that. And, you know, I Which mean... nowadays you probably can. Oh, yeah. But <laughs> it, 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 that's, it's I actually, could use my phone to make something up now I'm glad you brought seconds. that. I'm glad you brought that up because, like, it's it's almost, like, as serious as this movie is and as important as it is, like, the, the question of, like, the ethics of journalism, the, the, the idea of this is almost quaint now, considering the, the technology that we have to contend with yeah. and how you literally cannot believe what's right in front of your eyes anymore. Like visually, yeah. um, I, I'm, a, a Tom Cruise deep fake will will have the whole world, you know, um, right. up in arms because you don't know if it's real or not, and uh, and also even like media in general, I don't know that they have the same um, the same fears or the same concerns about their credibility because if you if you're caught lying, Fox News admit that people know that they lie. They're fucking on trial right exactly. now. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And they're still in business. Yeah. And they still have millions of viewers. No one cares. And no one gives a shit. Yeah. It's uh, yeah, so it it the, the, this movie they're glassing it up. Right. Man, right. Just... Yes, exactly. They're a network of Stephen glasses. <laughs> and 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 they're they're still very profitable. That's hilarious. I, amazing. Oh my god. <laughs> Um, until so, like it all comes to a head now because Peter um, Sarsgaard doesn't want anything to do with Stephen Glass anymore. He actually fires him. Yep. They're in front of this wall of uh, magazines, you know. Uh huh. You know all these big publications they keep their magazines like out. Yeah. You know to all, display like, like the look, last four Look issues. at what we've done. This yeah. is amazing work. Good job, everybody. Yeah. We're proud of what we're doing. And he's looking at all these covers with Stephen Glass's name on it, and he's just like, 
fuck. He <laughs> fires him. And Hayden goes on this spiel about, um, you, you need to help me. Like, I, I, I'm afraid what I'm going to do. You need to drive me to the airport. He's, he's trying to get more time with him to talk him out of it. He's saying he's going to be suicidal and all this stuff. Uh, I, I don't trust myself. And Chuck looks at him and says, yeah, it's a hell of a story. Yeah. Yeah. Stop pitching, Steve. It's over. It's, he's like, I'm fucking done with you. Stop love pitching, it. Steve. It's over. <laughs> it's, I love it. It's a devastating line. I love it. And like, every time you think Stephen Glass can't get more uh, like disgusting, yeah, like he he outdoes himself. And yeah. in this moment where he is telling Chuck that he's suicidal, and can you drive me to the airport? Yeah. I'm afraid of what I might do. Um. And he's really pouring it on. Like it's Hayden yeah, Christensen yeah. doing a great acting job of like someone who might be suicidal. Yeah. And you know, because it's Stephen Glass, there's not a shred of truth to it. And, oh, man. and Chuck Lane has been through so much of, of like dealing with this turd that he sees right through it too. <laughs> and tells him, stop pitching, Steve. It's over. Oh <laughs> like, man. I'm fucking he's great. Fucking done. Exactly. Oh. So he leaves. <laughs> and then, uh, Chuck goes down to the lobby, and Caitlin is there. Yeah. Uh, Chloe Sevigny. It's a great scene. And th- this is a wonderful scene. Yeah. Because Chloe hasn't had a ton to do in the movie yet. I mean, she's throughout it and doing stuff. I right. mean, she's not waste a wasted character. Right. But uh, this is our best part in the movie, because yeah. she's, she's defending Stephen Glass still. What, what did you do to Steve? Yeah, what did you do to him? <laughs> what? <laughs> she's on He's the wrong wreck. side of history right here, man. Yeah. And this is where he's like beaten into her head like, dude, this goes deep. Right. This is not just the one article. We're all fucked. Yep. We yep. are all fucked. He says that every every yeah. publication that ever took, every every magazine that took a shot at us before, they're, they're going to pounce now. Mm-hmm. And, and he says they should because we've been held up as this, as like... The, oh, the in-flight magazine of Air Force One, like the starchiest rag in the business. Yeah. And now, you know, like here we <laughs> have this guy. Our star is like revealed to be a, like a just a pathological yeah. liar. And we let it happen. Yeah. And he has to convince her. Yeah. Because she's so loyal to him. And, and to he's Michael like, Kelly. He's like, if you didn't know him, would you believe this? Right. What would you do? You would investigate. Exactly. You would look into this. And if he said it, if he said he'd only done it once, you know, like, would you believe him? Like yeah, where's your journalistic integrity? Right, right, and he's and he's correct. Yeah, and she believes him. The next morning he comes in, and there's a note with like an apology they drafted up to publish. Yes, and they're she's ready to get the whole staff. We're gonna review everything. She's on board with him now. Finally, right, it's right. such a relief for Chuck. Like, finally, man. Like people are. They pulled the wool off their eyes. Yes. I mean, he walked into the meeting thinking he was going to have to like, you know, like tearfully explain that Steve is gone and they were going to hate his guts. And instead there's that letter that's been signed by everybody. a a retract, you know, like an apology to the public's readers. He thought he'd be fighting this uphill battle to get things done. And no, everyone's on board with them. And And it's because of what he said to to Caitlin. Right. She probably told everyone like, Hey, I, I believe him. We need to do this. And because she's all in, all the staff are like buddy, buddy with each other. Right. They, they're, they're taking what she says seriously. She probably gathered everybody like that night. Yeah. And then over the weekend, they probably went to the offices and did what Chuck did. They read all the articles and then like did the fact check again and went, Oh crap. Yeah. You know, 
Steve was lying this whole time. Chuck was right. And then that's when they drafted that it, letter. It feels so good right. when he reads that letter and it's just the relief yes. that, that he shows. I mean, as, as an audience member, you, you, you love that moment. Right. It's so good because you're on his side and he's just battling everyone throughout yeah. the movie. Right. And I mean, like... It, they, they, the filmmaker, the, the film actually juxtaposes this with um, the 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 conclusion of the other the, the framing device where Steven is talking to like uh, a his, when he's at his old high school. Yeah, he's that talking talk. to a classroom, yeah. and there's a bunch of journalism students there, and like they're they're clapping for him because they, he's their hero. He's the you know local hero, Stephen Glass. Right. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> Chuck is getting a round of applause uh, from the the staff at the New Republic. Yeah. And like it's it's already been revealed that Steven is an unreliable narrator. Yeah. But to watch him drinking in the applause, like he's got the he's got this big smile on his face going, Thank you. Thank oh my you. God, dude. You know? Like yep. even even after he's been unmasked, he goes back to his old high school where he knows where I apparently the news has not gotten there yet. I talked a little bit earlier about like how there's this pressure for him to perform and become great. Yeah. And his teacher says one thing while he's there. She says, see what happens when greatness is demanded of you. <sighs> so if you can look at that two ways, I mean, you, uh, Jesus, are you going to go places because you're doing hard work and you're, you're successful? Or are you going to be so pressured that you're going to fucking lie your teeth out to get what you want? I bet that lady watched <laughs> whiplash and thought that JK Simmons was the hero. You know, oh my god! Like, like she she probably thinks that like you know uh, yeah like asshole football coaches are really great <laughs> motivators of young men yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um you know it, it's when greatness is demanded of you fuck you all the way fuck man fuck that no I, it's just dis- I mean like you're you're putting pressure on children they they and they've been under this scrutiny since age six if they're in Highland Park like that right and you know I know that they're all ambitious and that they want to write for the New Republic like their local hero Stephen Glass but for oh God's sake God. lady Dude. just climb off everybody's back and stop like this hagiography hey, of this kid yeah. who's an Fuck. obvious asshole mm. God yeah so to the very end of the movie now is there's like a, a deposition or something happening right yeah like, uh Stephen Glass has got his lawyer, and they're sitting in this big conference room. And then it's um, um, Chuck Lane, and who who else is with them? I don't know. They're just the New Republic's lawyer, the lawyer for the paper. Yeah, yeah. and they're asking him questions. Just we're going to read all these titles that you wrote, and if you don't say anything, we're going to assume that it's all fabricated. If you do object, we're going to go do the diligence again. Yep, and see if we can verify anything you say. And that's that. So he's listing all these articles, and the camera's kind of just trained on Hayden Christensen's face throughout all the names being read. Yes. And he remains silent through about a dozen titles as the camera just slowly gets closer to his face. <laughs> and he's he's almost not moving. He's moving a little bit, but he's kind of just staring at Chuck. And you can tell he he actually is defeated, but he's still not admitting it. No, he's defiant to He the end. knows he's fucked. Right. But he's not going to admit that. Nope. Oh, dude. And like and he even wants to like when Chuck gives him the terms and says, you know, like um if you say nothing, we will assume that the piece is either partially or entirely fabricated. Mm-hmm. So he's even giving him sort of an out with the partially. Yeah. You know, but no. Steven's not going to admit it. 
He's not going to say no that I I made up <sighs> like literally thirty set like forty one articles or whatever it was. It was just like yeah. Jesus, dude. Oh my god, dude. <laughs> yeah. Yep. That, that dude. I know. What an ending. Yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> it's awesome. So good. Yes. It, it's the, the the movie is an important movie. Like like we said earlier, and it's and it's I think that it can qualify as journalism on its own. It can. You know? Yeah. And I, f- I feel like the movie has, it's in- incredibly tense. Yes. For a movie that has no action in it. Right. Uh, there's one action scene in it, really. It's when the car almost crashes. That's like it. That's about it. I know. You know, there's there were stunt co- coordinators on this film. Yeah, and that has to be why. Because there that, was a, a close call car accident. The whole thing at that four-way stop, right? <laughs> yeah, like they took one <laughs> afternoon, filmed it. All right, cool, you're paid. Yeah. Let's go. <laughs> but no, the tension in this is so good. And performances from everyone are dynamite i know they're all really good i mean there's a heavenly creature in this movie oh my you know, god I mean, Melanie dude. Linsky mm. is there too like you know and and anytime you've got so good i mean yeah I, I love seeing her and you, you know a fun fact is i heard maggie gyllenhaal was supposed to play um oh uh, is that Amy right Brand. oh okay, yeah but yeah. they got melanie Linsky. nice but i i much rather see melanie Linsky. not that i don't hate maggie gyllenhaal but right no dude but <laughs> um yeah. yeah, the movie's great. Yeah, I, I like it. Yeah, this, this movie is, is like, I, I saw it um, a long time ago, and I've, I've been watching it for the last 20 years somehow. <laughs> I just, it, it's always been there for me. Yeah, I mean, this rewatch just solidified how great it is. Yes. I mean, um, and Sarsgaard is phenomenal in this, yeah. just alone. I mean, even if you don't like Hayden Christensen, watch it for Sarsgaard, man. He's awesome. And if you don't, if you, if you, don't like Hayden Christensen because you saw him in the Phantom in in Attack of the Clones yeah. and that's it. Then please watch this movie and watch Life as a House and watch his other work too. Yes, exactly. Um, yeah, Shattered Glass especially though. Yeah. So I'm guessing would you recommend this? Uh, yes, I would. Uh, yeah, obviously. Uh, we kind yeah, of already covered a, that. I guess right. this this is a this is a great movie and it's it's it, if you like anything that's about um, if you like movies that are about journalism especially or if you feel very strongly about you know like media in general then you have to watch this because you have to know it and also too there's like um steven glass um one thing to know about him after this um he did finish his law degree at georgetown yeah um but when he applied to become a lawyer in the state of new york he was denied because of character issues yeah um, same thing happened to him in California. He has never been allowed to be a practicing lawyer, uh-huh. even with a Georgetown law degree, um, which is so, really something. Thank God. Exactly. Thank God. Makes you gives gives you some he, like you he know. even appealed it and it was upheld. Yes. I, I, I love that. Yes. And he also published a novel called The Fabulist. Yeah. Uh, that oh. was about a writer who makes up stories and yeah. gets away. I mean. What this guy kind of conceit? Apparently, he was fronted like 150 grand to write yes, this. Yes, yes, and it sold like 5,000 copies. Good, good, uh, f- exactly. Good. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad the thing guy. was a fucking flop. Yes. Oh my god. But yeah, uh, obviously, <laughs> <laughs> this guy we sucks. This guy, I know. Yeah, because he's he's a really awful person and one of the <laughs> one of the best antagonists in a movie and one of the best unreliable narrators ever in a movie too. Yeah, yeah, I I would totally recommend the movie too. It's freaking awesome. Uh, the tension and the performances, and it's such a small movie that has big emotions. Yes. I love it. Agreed. Um, so that about wraps thing up. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to the show anywhere you get your podcast. Rate it, review it, most of all, share it. Gets more dudes listening to the dudes. 
You can also go to dudesonmovies.com and find anything you need right there. Yes, and we're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, so look for Dudes on Movies, and our email address is dudesonmovies at gmail.com. That's right, and we have a question of the week. Dave, what's the question of the week? Uh, what are the best movies about investigative journalism? Good one. Yes. I love it, man. So we also have a voicemail you can call in, 628-400-DUDE. That's 628-400-3833. And stay tuned next week when we do 1969's The Cremator, directed by Uri Hertz and starring Rudolph Rosinski. So until next week, I'm your dude, Scott. I'm your dude, Dave. And we'll see you next time. <laughs>